If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 5% off your first purchase with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for 5% off your first purchase. So, motherfuckers, how do you feel about relationships? (laughs) Complicated. You want them. You despise them. You fear them. You kind of long for them. You try them. You exit them rapidly. Or you try to. You get stuck in them and haunted by cycles of unfulfillment. At the beginning, middle, and end of the day, Maybe you're a bit skeptical. Maybe you'll try. You'll attempt connection. But the connection either goes too far too fast or goes nowhere at all. Maybe you've given too much in relationships in the past. Now you're a bit stingy when it comes to extending yourself so far for someone else again. And who could blame you? Uh, Cue the exhaustion and exasperation. Maybe you've given up on relationships completely. You decided a long time ago that they're more trouble than they're worth. Again, cue the life draining out of your body. Or maybe you will give them a swing, but you tend to keep people at 10 arms lengths. They can know you, but they won't be allowed to know you. And you might not have much interest in knowing the deepest depths of them either. No matter your strategy, it just feels safer that way. You're not a fucking fool. You have seen what can happen and extrapolated that it could always happen again. 
And besides, you've probably had the experience that no one can really get it. No one can really get you. P.S. Other humans are hell. So why bother forming these supposedly important healing, trauma-recovering relationships? Why aim for close connections? Why ever reveal yourself to people when people love to punish you for exactly that? Why on earth would any one of us decide to issue vulnerability, intimacy, or trust to another party and accept all the subsequent pains that are destined to follow? Well, that's the topic of the month. We are taking a deep dive into relationships and more so the stable, close, and healing ones that we supposedly all need to fully mend our trauma wounds. And we'll be chasing that train of thought for the next couple of months, diving deeper and deeper into what's happening inside of ourselves and themselves that's preventing authentic connection. So... The unfulfilling relationship issue all starts with safeguarding ourselves against offering vulnerability, intimacy, and trust, at least from what this muff can tell. We ain't got them to spare, and we're not looking to extend them to others after we've had so many experiences provide important lessons about the dangers of those decisions. And of course... It all starts in childhood, or whenever your initial traumas and later traumas went down. So, we learn early on that other people are dangerous. They don't meet us in the middle or consider our experiences. Our needs are mm, N.A. to them. They use and dismiss us depending on how it serves them. So we have these beliefs confirmed later down the line when our childhood experiences are inevitably repeated as they have to be. And our brains then wisely determine, oh no, this is real. Never fucking again. I am better off without humans. Shutting down all ability for vulnerability, intimacy, or trust. The foundations of long-lasting, healthy, brain-rehabilitating relationships. Let's get into the definitions. Intimacy is allowing someone to get close to you, showing them your soft underbits. Vulnerability is believing that someone could strike at these parts, but exposing them anyways. And trust is realizing that they won't take advantage of what they've learned, Believing they're reliable and consistent in their care and authenticity. And I'm positive that we could all stop right there and shortle together about those ideas right about now. Show someone my shit. Give them the opportunity to destroy me. And believe that they won't. So it's okay to proceed. Hell fucking nah. Uh anyone else. Yeah, a lot of us. PTSD passes along some common lessons that we tend to take to heart, and then they define our social and survival strategies for lifetimes. So this month, we read quite a bit from a study performed with veterans returning from active duty 
who engaged in high-risk sexual behaviors and otherwise refused to have full relationships with their partners. We went through their direct accounts of those loosey-goosey partnerships and found quite a few commonalities with the complexly traumatized crowd. We have needs, we have to fulfill them, but we also fear our deeper emotional needs, so those tend to get ignored. We engage in distant, poorly defined relationships with which help us feel safe in meeting those biological needs, but we're expecting rejection at all turns, so there's uh, really no perceived choice in the matter. And at the same time, we have cataclysmic wounds inside of us that aren't being mended by any of these strategies. We're still emotionally lonely, unsupported, and isolated, even in relationship. And we often turn around to resent our distant partners when they don't offer us what we're truly longing for, even when we haven't given them the opportunity to do it, i.e., the participant who purposely kept his sexual partner sequestered to a non-emotional connection and then got mad at them when they weren't abruptly available during a time when he needed emotional support. Then he ended the relationships because the other parties didn't meet his needs, which were unexpressed and denied by him himself. And he was upset that no one could use their mind-reading powers to flip the relationship dynamic in an instance. So from all of this, we learned we can set up relationships to help ourselves get through the day, to remember that we still exist in the human species, but that doesn't mean they're providing actual connection to our lives. They don't always include vulnerability, intimacy, or trust. Most often, those attributes are completely absent. What we do get from those loose, high-risk relationships is physical comfort, ego support, and a false sense of security. But they lack authenticity, disclosure, and emotional relation. And that doesn't actually sit well with us. So those relationships might scratch some shallow itches. They keep us afloat in some ways. At least we don't feel completely isolated or deprived in the sexy junk. But the participants mentioned time and time again that they were in this relationship pattern now, but it wasn't ideal. They often felt lower more depressed, and more PTSD symptomatic after the surface-level relationship experiences or sexual encounters. They had to deal with personal shame and intrusive memories in the aftermath, feeling inauthentic, empty, and emotionally alone. Overall, the soldiers who participated in the study had goals for better relationships, but they weren't able to offer them to others at the time. You know, for everyone's sake. Another common characteristic of the research participants' experiences was the idea that the PTSD sufferer in question was not personally prepared to be in a healthy relationship. So, yeah, they were protecting themselves from the pains of the connection, but at the same time, they held beliefs that that's what was best for the other party as well. I'm just not relationship material yet, is the name of the game. 
And uh, that sounds pretty fucking familiar. Being concerned about what you'll do to others if you were to be yourself around them, especially when you're still working on your own inner and outer problems. And I say, amen. And so I keep my shit to myself. So from all of this, we heard that traumatized individuals desire what they fear. They work against what they truly need. They might entirely stop trying to form relationships, or they might end up in relations that don't actually suit anyone involved. Instead, they settle for surface-level associations that feel somewhat relieving, at least on a physical or egoic level. But throughout all of this relational tomfuckery, we don't get what we're hurting for. We don't find healing through our partnerships. We just continue to echo our early traumas. We aren't able to disclose those experiences, creating chasms between us and our partners, and keeping those memories fragmented from our own daily experiences. We perpetuate the narratives that something is wrong with us and no one will ever be able to understand or accept us, which rots out our lives with encaging self-limitations. We continue holding ourselves back from experiencing real life and keep strengthening our trauma-brained programming by hiding pieces of ourselves, living in fear of ever being fully found out. We keep the idea that humans equal pain alive and well, we increasingly edit who we are around others to avoid what we can't fathom experiencing again. We live in ongoing fear, deprivation, and social disconnection, and wonder why our brains aren't healing the ways that we hoped they would. Well, my fuckers, I understand the lone wolfing lifestyle. I love it. I lean on it. And I have a hard time letting it go. But I'm recently coming to terms with the less comfortable truth. Connection is a fundamental human experience, one that's needed for our successful development and survival. We are biologically designed for it. There are theories that the human brain evolved for experiences of love and species support. So, we may have missed out on early opportunities for vulnerability, intimacy, and trust in our close relationships, and this has plenty of implications when it comes to brain and attachment style development. But perpetuating that lack for the rest of our lives isn't doing anyone any good either. It isn't nourishing or rewiring the brain. It isn't keeping us safe. It isn't challenging our traumatic narratives or forming new perspectives. It's keeping us locked in time, separated from the rest of the species, stuck with our own shamed brains, forever trying to hide and mask ourselves from others as we negatively judge what lurks below the surface. And uh, we get a bit self-obsessive doing it since we've been left alone to think about little besides our own thoughts. Engaging in vulnerable, intimate, and trusting relationships is a required part of the trauma recovery game. We'd all rather avoid it, even though we all dream of it. 
sometimes those dreams are overtaken by living nightmares that we flee from forever. But the hard underlying reality is we'd all benefit from learning how to do it. The research shows being able to get vulnerable with others and experiencing acceptance leads to greater self-acceptance, sense of security, and enhanced connectivity. And there are some ways that we can help ourselves help ourselves with these wanted but kind of unwanted goals, even when we are still trauma symptomatic. The research showed that being a part of a group which is based on supporting one another opens up room for us to practice being consistently engaged with others in a vulnerable and trusting way. Social norms such as double texting or keeping conversation in the small talk arena, it goes out the window when the group is centered around keeping tabs with one another. There is an enhanced sense of interrelational responsibility that helps us learn to rely on each other and to be reliable for one another. And that opens the door to learning how to relate consistently, openly, supportively, and intimately, despite what our prior programming would normally dictate is typical, acceptable behavior. Breaking down barriers that societal rules normally instate. Another intimate relationship assist is engaging with children. You know, like your own children, your nibblings, or maybe a community organization. Uh, not like random children on the streets. Obviously, do not be that guy, non-gendered. The literature shows that PTSD sufferers who had relationships with children found themselves practicing vulnerable relationships, relational responsibility, and measured self-disclosure, which helps them apply those skills to others. Those who were able to share their unspoken life stories with adult children also felt relieved. They felt more closely connected and understood in the aftermath, which you know, it's quite a change, starting from hiding their autobiographies for decades. But if you are not on the market for interacting with children, <laughs> here, here, consider how pets can help. If we're better able to engage in vulnerable, intimate, and trusting relationships when we have an increased degree of social responsibility and reduced threat of betrayal, Animals are also a pretty great place to start. They need us, they can't dock shit, they can't betray our trust, and they offer unconditional love and acceptance, even when we're not estimated to be at our best. And from there, with any of these options, we just have to keep practicing authentic connection with the good news from brains and behavioral science being it gets easier and easier the more you receive evidence that you won't be cast aside, punished, or worse. Validation builds momentum. If one person or one fur people can accept you, you'll continue to build evidence, build experience, and realize that many actually can. But, fucker, but fucker, I know that it feels like climbing a mountain to get started. 
especially after long periods of self-protective isolation. And I know that this is an even steeper climb because we can't experience acceptance from others if we can't even accept ourselves. So you see where this conversation is going. Our brains have a lot of polarized views on other human beings entering our lives, views that we may not have fully sussed out ourselves, patterns that we may have been ignoring, internal perspectives that stop us from being a great relationship partner if we can get started at all, which is what we're going to be picking up and talking about next time. Disorganized attachment starts in ourselves in our oppositional perspectives on humans and human relationships, and in our self-protective strategies that shut down any opportunity for healing partnerships. You know, ensuring that we ruin them if we ever gather up the balls to even try. So it would probably be considered necessary for us to get vulnerable, intimate, and trusting within our own brains and meat suits which we're normally ignoring, dismissing, fearing, or screaming at before we try to bring those skills outside of ourselves to others. Huh? Huh? And that's what we'll be coming back to talk about next month. Diving into our parts as we combine the ideas of internal family systems with vulnerability, intimacy, and trust issues in relationship taking a look at the common relationship problems we create when we aren't even capable of being vulnerable, intimate, or trusting within our own bodies and think boxes, how projection, self-fulfilling prophecies, and cyclical abuse emanate from our unhealed and ignored parts, and how we create mutual hells for ourselves and our partners as we both get trapped in the worst pieces of our brains that we've both been ignoring together in repetitive conflicts that seem to have no resolution. If you've struggled with close, vulnerable healing relationships, you might want to tune on in and find out how external relations have been slated for failure thanks to the internal relations we've all been trying to ignore. It's a lot to consider, but don't worry. Again, we'll be talking about it in pieces for the coming months. Jump into the full conversation in that private podcast stream at patreon.com slash traumatized motherfuckers. Find that you are seen, understood, and accepted for all your bits, not just the ones that you've learned to present most safely to the world. And stay tuned here on the public platform for the quick and dirty versions of every topic we cover, and beyond. And if you're looking to get into a vulnerable, intimate, and trusting support group, you know, the community is here for that too. Nothing you can say will shock us, darling. And we are signed up for practicing safe human connection together, which includes a whole lot of honesty about the ways that we're all consistently fearing it. Until we speak about it again in about two weeks, you know, hail your self, hail vulnerable relationships for the purpose of healing rather than reliving trauma, hail Flop King Archie forever, and 
Cheers, y'all. Talk to you soon. Bye. You think it's showing moments We can't do anything A fucking joke is We're winning when you blink It's showing moments Last year with victory Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Okay, I have two new obsessions that I need to share with you. Impress No Glue Press-On Manny's and Impress Press-On Falsies Lashes. Trust me, these are getting ready game changers. Both require no glue, so there is no damage to your natural nails and lashes, no mess, and no annoying dry times. Just one step and you're done. Boom. Instant glam. Visit impressbeauty.com slash presson and use code PRESSON25 at checkout for 25% off Impress Manicure and Press-On Falsies. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com.